Podcast episode number 241, and I'm your first host, Marcello. And I'm host number D. I'm host number, <laughs> host number D. <laughs> Sorry, I'm host number two, D. And I am host number C, Corey. Yes. Dr. Yes. Corey Petty coming at you live. Today, we're going to play Chuck Mangione in the background the entire episode because why not? We do what yep. we want. We're trying to get YouTube to flag us. And we said, flag us if you want to, YouTube. The people need to hear Chuck Mangione. So, um, also a bit of a bit of a operational stuff out, out the gate to get this over with. Uh, website went under turmoil for a little bit. We're in the process of migrating it to a new hosting platform, potential complete rework of it. We're not quite sure yet. So, uh, all the content is still available through podcasts, players, and but not just uh, if you spend your time going to the website a lot. Don't be surprised if it's weird halfway there. Not updated. It'll be updated. Mm-hmm. But we're, and, we're uh, doing some, some rework on it or... to make it better. Yeah, you're just making us better. <laughs> Hack failed. Whatever doesn't kill us makes us stronger. And uh, I actually got that quote uh, from, what's her name? Jessica Simpson? Okay. So we're not, yeah. So, what are we talking about today, fellas? There's a lot to talk about. There is. There's always a lot to talk about. Cello had a point. Cello had a point. Once you once you hit hit the the slack with the uh, join button, all oh, Cello yeah. gets started. Yeah. So there was a uh, Netflix released um, uh, the Fire Festival uh, documentary, uh, but on January 14th, Hulu released their own documentary called Fire Fraud. Um, and the, I was watching it, and basically, Fire Festival was supposed to be like Coachella. It was supposed to be this amazing music festival on like the Maldive Islands or something. It was supposed to be like really exclusive, and all the biggest bands were supposed to get supposed to be there. And him and Ja Rule entered a, a partnership. Ja Rule, baby, and where I was, would I be without you? Yeah, if you don't know Ja Rule, he was a rapper popular when we were in high school. Not so much now. Um, but it was really cool because, like, I, the more I was watching this, the more I was realizing the parallels between ICOs and the fire festival. So the the owner or the the guy who was doing the fire festival, spoiler alert, he's in jail for six years mm. because he created a product that never happened. He had like Kendall Jenner on Instagram promoting it. He had Ja Rule promoting it. All these people, just the same way ICOs will get like Paris Hilton or Floyd Mayweather. Um, 
So you had like all these empty promises. You had marketing behemoths promoting it. You had people that bought into it. Uh, you know, they didn't get refunds. A lot of people actually went to the island and instead of seeing a grand stage in paradise, they were met with porta potties and huts and nobody performed and they just flew back. And um, I guess the reason why I'm bringing this up is because justice was served to this guy. Like this guy like didn't deliver on his promise. He took all these money from investors um, and he's in jail for six years. And well, last year you could have did the exact same thing, but instead of uh, a concert, you could do an ICO and nobody got indicted. Even with like SEC regulations and all that, it was just like, oh, it was just a thing to do in 2018, and now we can't do it anymore. Oh. People, people getting indicted. People are paying the piper. It's just not draw rules, not in it. So it's not oh, that baby. big of a deal. What's uh, DJ Khaled and um, what's his name? Floyd Mayweather had to settle. You know, they had to settle in court or outside of court for what they did, their involvement in those ICOs that they were involved in. So people are being indicted. Um, but I will agree with you that it's like um, almost not enough. And some of it is hard to. I mean, if you are responsible for tracking down the thousands, probably I won't say thousands, maybe hundreds of shitty ICOs that went down last year and the year before. Um, and they don't even have anybody involved with it. It's just one person who successfully created a shell website, put grabbed a bunch of high quality photos off the internet, made them look like as their advisors, uh, used the VPN. So you have no idea where even the source of him putting this stuff on the internet is. I mean, it'd be hard to track down. It'd be real hard. That fire guy it was easy to track that guy down. It was like, hey, you, the guy that said you were going to do all those things and didn't and took all that money. You're going to jail for that. It's it's much different for for an ICO, much different. So uh maybe maybe it was. I don't think it is now. Um, well, the fact that the SEC and a lot of government entities are kind of shut down slash on a on a on a hold, they're not going to be processing a lot of things. Like a lot of the work that they would be doing when they were already understaffed in the process of having a fully were functioning government in the United States. Uh, they're not doing now. They're, they're doing less now because of government shutdown stuff. And so, like, who knows? Like, I, I it, this stuff, this may stuff may fly under the radar because there's so much work that's backlogged that they need to do, and there's not enough people doing it. Only mm-hmm. they're like, it's almost like you need to be faster than the slowest person in a lot of ways. What and I so, like, checked. if you're kind of shady, maybe you'll get away with it because. Like there's just incredibly <laughs> shady people doing incredibly shady stuff. They're going to be obvious targets for things, and they're they're probably going to get you know justice served. But there's a lot of people who are doing kind of shady shit that probably won't ever happen to them. Now, do you think that would be their defense? Or like, I don't, what are the, what's the statute of limitations? Like, how long can you go before someone can come back at you and say, "Hey, uh, uh, what do you what did you do back then? Let's uh, let's go back into how you did that and see if it's if it's legal." I don't I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. I don't know the government. There's so many projects, it's hard to keep up. Unless you were There's like huge proliferation yeah. of projects. There's and too many. They're all garbage. And so, like, I would say the majority of the attention of that they're going to get guaranteed is going to come from um, investors who spent a lot of money who yeah. uh, got scammed. That when they complain, they're the ones that usually draw attention to the ones that then go to SEC or, or CFTC or whatever. 
Sorry, I get lost in Chuck Mangione. I can't. Yeah. You, hear, you hear it going though. It's hard to focus on SEC doing or not doing their job when Chuck is letting it rip. Should I turn it off? I was thinking about the uh, the Miami Bitcoin conference was going on this week too, and like how sexy was it this year when there's no money to be made? Yeah, I'd be I mean, curious. Is there still like Lambos and such and all the nonsense that was? There? I'm, I'm sure there is. Like there's still there's still yeah. Bitcoin millions. I just I don't see why you would go. Like who's going to stunt? <laughs> like I saw Chris DeRose there. I'm like, what are you doing there? Like, why are why are people going there again? Chris DeRose was a hit at Miami last year. At the last one last year, he had he he had so many people around his booth. Like I could barely go and talk to the guy. He's he a character, man. He's 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 yeah. been a character from the beginning. He was he was loud. Yeah in the beginning and knowledgeable and made a name for himself with like the core groups and has been loud enough that everyone knows who he is. What was he shilling at the conference? Why did he he's not a shill. He shills no things. He's just overly philosophical with things that shouldn't don't need that much thought. Like you don't have to get that deep, man. But um, That's no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I see what you did there. I see what you do there. All right, um, Kareem is gonna have to talk. If you're in there, you gotta talk. She can't talk. She's just listening. That's no. what she likes to do. She just no. she just you, comes you in to be, get the conversation. You gotta, early. Be a, you gotta be a Patreon if you're gonna be doing this, or else you gotta talk. Come on, come on, say something. Are we kicking you? You gotta be Patreon. Say it. Speak up. I saw you're not muted anymore. My mic broke. Oh, oh my mic broke. Oh, oh, boom, boom, boom. boom. We have someone, someone is in the Google Meet and they refuse to speak because their mic broke. Maybe they just want to listen. What's wrong with that? Why we have to be so totalitarian? Uh, yeah, just enable the mic and then you'll be able to speak. So when you get it going, we'll have you chime in. Um, yeah, I, I would like to. I would like to know how the consensus transition has been since. Uh, Ooh! In the last few months, weeks. Yeah, how much? How much can we get in on that consensus info? Or well, she comes on the show. If she's in talk, she probably has to be like, "I'm not representing consensus," because that would be best for her. You probably should say that, Karima, if you get your mic situation fixed. So, um, next topic. Next topic. I want to talk about layer two and what it even means, and does it mean that we're getting one step? closer to the point where oh there's only going to be a gaggle of people who really understand what's going on and everybody else is just going to be able to benefit from the hard work and the hard uh i don't know intellectual merits of a handful of people because i feel like the more layers we add is the more complexity we add which in my mind the more complex the thing is the less people know how it actually works so that's what i feel like is is naturally going to happen and if that does happen then you have a, a easy there's just one hop and skip away away from like oh we're gonna have to have trusted centralized entities then. Hmm. that was a lot it, okay. that's just me one, just throwing words out you're absolutely right in that the more layers you build on top understanding the full stack and complexity associated with how it how you go from the base layer to the end user is more complex and harder to understand and less likely that the person who's actually using the service understands how everything works. That's mm-hmm. inevitable, in my opinion. 
by the time this thing scales out, it's the same thing as the internet. There's a ton of things that are happening between me clicking on something on the website and me retrieving it from somewhere else or talking to someone on a social media or whatever the hell I'm doing on the internet. No doubt. That's, that's gonna happen. Um, what I find interesting is that we could make money out of these things. And so it's probably even in some ways going to be more difficult or to, to, to understand than how the internet is today. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but like, it's, it's also more options, which makes it more difficult because it's not one way of doing things. We have multiple ways of doing things because it's not just this or the internet. It's using a blockchain system with its layers on top, as well as the internet and centralized infrastructure for building a product or platform, a, a service, whatever. You're using a, a massive grab bag of technologies to then provide something to somebody. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if it's always going to be so transparent as it is today, because that's one of like the hallmarks of the early days. It's like everything is transparent. It's on the blockchain. You can see it. But like as we build these stacks, like think about let's take, for instance, state channels, right? We'll just take this as an example on how you lose some of that transparency. When you do a state channel, um, you, op- you, you, you submit a transaction uh, on the blockchain that says, I'm going to enter in a negotiation for this amount of money. We'll call it $100, right? And then mm-hmm. a bunch of things happen off of the chain. Like, it could be thousands of transactions happen between the two parties or however many parties are associated with the state channel uh, mm-hmm. for a long time. And when they're done, they're like, okay, guys, we're done. Uh, let's submit the final transaction that has the like final balance of whatever the parties are. Mm-hmm. Now, from a transparency perspective, you only get those two transactions. The one that started it and the one that finished it. And you lose all of the granularity from like a, a public perspective of what mm-hmm. business went down and how it went down. And that's just one aspect of like losing transparency as you build layers on top of things. Plasma is going to do the same thing in some ways. And so only a smaller subset of people are going to have access to that information, which is good in some scenarios where businesses need privacy. But it's bad if you want to have like a fully public ledger where you can really dive in and see what's going on at a really granular level. And so if you build more and more stacks, say like Plasma is layer two, what if there's a layer three? You're going to keep losing that gra- that, that, that yeah. transparency as you keep going up, as well as the complexity of understanding like where things are. Now, that company is going to be able to like prove solvency in a lot of ways because it's built on this new technology. Whereas like, they really can't do that in a lot of ways now in a way that's mm-hmm. like doesn't like give away all their information. Like right now, you know, exchanges, if they implemented certain things, could prove solvency of all the money that they hold. So they can say, if, if everyone withdrew their money, we could give it to everybody. They could prove that. They're like, they're, imagine a bank doing that these days. Mm-hmm. And so it's, yeah, it's, it's, you're right. And it's going to get more difficult to understand how things work. But if it's better, if it's more efficient, if it's more transparent than how it is today and you have more options to build things uh, to cater to the end user than good which is I don't know like I guess you still have the option to build on the lowest layer you don't have to use these layer 2 solutions if you don't want to that's true like state channels become ubiquitous 
plasma becomes really 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 big for for ethereum or whoever else and like all these all these layer two solutions become really really useful for applications to build really really fast and and, and useful and efficient applications and platforms you can still send a bitcoin transaction on the base bitcoin blockchain you can still send a base ethereum transaction on the ethereum blockchain regardless of how useful these other things are you're not taking it away mm -hmm. now maybe if it becomes so popular that it gets kind of expensive to do that then the reasons why you would do so change maybe you have maybe you only do that if you need to send like a million dollars to somebody for five cents mm. It's just, um, how do we push adoption still? Because knowing that adoption is the only thing that matters, if it always looks like there's going to be a glass ceiling on the people that actually understand it, right? Doesn't this tie into the book that you gave us, Chell, about crossing the chasm? Like, is there a certain point where you just don't worry about people that don't understand it at all? You're just like, you know, if they don't get it, they're not going to get it. They'll just keep pushing forward. I think. Go ahead, Cello. On a, on a technical level, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. No one. No one's gonna. No one's gonna understand like Lightning Network and Layer Two solutions. It's. Mm -mm. I like they're. They have to do so much due diligence to even figure out how Coinbase works. That I just think the the engineers are only gonna understand the technical aspect, and they're just gonna have to find a way to make a lot of this stuff move in the background with minimal mm -hmm. understanding. Corey always uses that example about like understanding your Wi-Fi. I don't need to understand it to use it. That's very true. So do we need people to understand it for adoption to take off? And if so, how do we do that? I mean, right now, um, if you were to follow along that book you just referenced, we, adoption is relative to the time that we're in. And we cater to the people who we're trying to adopt to. The early, early adopters. Yeah, like the early adopters, the, the, like the fanatics almost at this point. Yeah, but there's a difference between what are we talking about adoption? Are we talking about people participating in the space or understanding the space? Because it's two different things. I think right mm -hmm. now, based on how things work, participating is a, sorry, understanding is a requirement of participation right now. Unless you're just passively investing using third-party services like Coinbase, hmm. like I don't, I don't call that adoption. I call that um, almost funding for the developers and people who are building things. A lot okay. of the time, so, you have passive investments that either, it's either propping the price up in a lot of ways, or it's direct investment into a team doing something that they've convinced somebody to pay the money for. So when, when Coinbase releases a t statistic that, uh, you know, we, we got, you know, 200,000 new signups every day, you don't think that's a win because, you know, your uncle asking you at Thanksgiving just wants to turn $10 of Ethereum into $1,000. He's not part of the ecosystem of understanding. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's an aspect of moving forward. Like when we started and you said, oh, I do a podcast on Bitcoin, people are like, What? And I now, actually got a positive response in the airport on the way back home yesterday. I, now you say it, and people are like, "Oh, no, sh no shit! What do, you, what do you do with Bitcoin?" And it's like, yeah. oh, "Actually, I do more than Bitcoin." I'm just I said Bitcoin because I knew that you would understand that word. Like we can, like, you know, someone's gonna. Like, it's 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 weird if someone hasn't heard of Bitcoin at this point. 
The seed's been planted, baby. That, that is that's, that's a direct change from when we started this this whole thing. Yep, that's definitely true. We're flirting with you know the we're we're flirting with everybody now. The seed's been planted. You know what happens after that? The plant grows. We all know what you do with the plant. Going, going on. We should, we should say we what you do with the plant, but the seed's been planted. So I actually want to talk about that. Um, met. Uh, I was in the airport playing my switch like a G smashing and this dude pulls out his switch and I'm like, yo, you smash, which only you can only say that to another man when you're bo- when you both have a switch, <laughs> because if you look at another grown man and you say, hey, you want to smash that that means something different. You know that's OK. I mean? And that's OK. Did yeah. you see that Reddit post yesterday where these people, uh, they put a projector on their balcony and we're playing Smash Brothers against the side of a building? Yeah. I'm jealous. Yeah. Dude, that game insane. is good. but a good projector. Um, <laughs> it looked like crap. I, I just get pissed. Anyway. Um, anyways, start talking to the guy. He happens to be, uh, his name's Adam. He produces music for a game called Gungeon, which is apparently really popular. It made $15 million. So I, I guess some of you out there are playing it. Um, anyways, I started to talk about what I do, and then he was like, Well, what's your side gig? Because everyone our age now has to have a side gig, it's just the way the world works. And I was like, That's an interesting thing. Well, I have the Bitcoin podcast, and he got really interested. And then he started like, He actually knew a lot about what was going on, and so we are in the ether now, no pun intended. And he was really interesting, like when he started telling me about the transaction restrictions and how the fees went up. And then I was like, well, there is this thing called the Lightning Network that's live. And he got like really interested in that, too. Um, Now, he could just be a techie kind of guy, obviously, but it is out there. People do know what crypto is. Um, They especially know what Bitcoin is. But it's just one of those things that when it sits on this fence of risky investment you know when it sits on the risky investment fence not a lot of people are gonna want to dive deep into a risky investment and so it was an interesting conversation hopefully he's listening to the show shout out adam congratulations on your games and stuff yeah but But, part uh, of that is like when we i remember us talking about this earlier when ico boom was going everybody's buying stuff trying to figure out what to do and how to how to spend their money A, a part a part of that that i thought was a very beneficial thing to the entire ecosystem and the new generation was the concept of thinking about how to use your money and how to invest and how to make your money work for you and the the exercises of going through and 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 playing these games and making decisions based on where you put your money how you allocate it when you stop Mm -hmm. like those are not things that i thought about when i was younger those are not things that most people think about ever and Mm -hmm. This technology, in a lot of ways, almost forces you to make those decisions and start thinking about those types of things, which is a really, really good thing if you would like to be successful and learn how to manage your money properly. Yep. It's real neat how we go from like talking about technology to money so fluidly, but that's the nature of crypto. So so I thought that was a really cool thing, and I think it's still going to be a cool thing. It's just maybe not going to be as on the forefront of conversation if we don't have another crazy hype cycle like we did last time. Maybe, maybe we will. Let's just do the same thing. I don't know. I'm curious to see if it repeats itself and we go through all the same shenanigans again. I think it's I think it's going to repeat itself 
same shenanigans, and that's going to happen several more times. Why? Um, one, the nature of the asset that's winning right now is Bitcoin. It's deflationary, and there's only so many, and it's approaching that glass ceiling really quickly. Um, it's approach. It's approaching that cap really quickly, quicker than we realize. Um, Wait, the twenty-one million. Yeah, the twenty-one million. What's the? I mean, cap? I guess. I mean, what is it by like the year twenty thirty? It's going to be like right like there. Twenty-one thirty. No, no, no. By twenty-one forty, it's gonna. But it, but it halves, right? So it's gonna, it's yeah, gonna s curve yeah, off. It's so it's gonna like it's geometrically gonna stop. Yeah, and so. You know, I mean, arguably enough have been lost of like we're already there. There's just new coin coming into the miners that are mining it, but that's that's just the nature of of how it's going to work. Because if all this money's coming in, and there's only so many, like if there's that many more asks than there are bids, then the price skyrockets for a while, and then it's, then it just teeters off and goes back down. Yeah, but the last boom, the last boom is not due to Bitcoin. The last boom. Was due to ICOs, due but, to you ICOs had to but you had to buy Bitcoin to get, get into it. And that's becoming less of a thing. ICOs. That's becoming less and less and less of the only entry point. Bitcoin is no longer like the, the channel which you have to go through to buy things. And I think previously, a lot of people were parking their money in Bitcoin because it happened to be the most stable. Mm-hmm. And so that became the reference in which you evaluated how well everything was doing was basically how much Bitcoin it, it, it meant and then how much Bitcoin was in dollars. So pe- that's how people kind of kept mental models of how successful they were doing. And that's also no longer the case when you have stable coins and not not just one, but multiple stable coins that reference the dollars opposed to Bitcoin. So you uh, remove yourself from that volatility as well. So the markets aren't cyclical anymore. Now, if there's another bull run, it needs to be for different reasons than the last bull run. I don't know. Maybe, maybe like I security think, tokens. Make I think it's a safe run. argument. We don't even know how security tokens are going to propagate, but but the stablecoin argument is a great argument, right? Because you used to park your money in Bitcoin to get access to the altcoins. Now you park your money in stablecoins to get access to everything, including Bitcoin. So it has kind of taken the whole market by the balls, the stablecoin thing. But I, I don't like it, be, right? Huh? That's where trading pairs are going to be. Yeah, that's that's what traders need. Traders are like, oh, I'll park my money there, and oh, it's a regulated exchange like Gemini too, so I can park my money there. Perfect. I'll just park it in this Gemini token or this True USD or this um, USDC or whatever it is instead of parking it in to Bitcoin. So that does that is a new dynamic and that just started so we won't even know how that plays out for some years. So I think um, the next bull market is going to happen. Like there's going to be another bull run. I don't think it's going to be as crazily hyped and over like over sensationalized as the previous ones. Mm-hmm. And it's and also as we keep building more and more utility there's not going to be this crazy uh uh it's not going to be so crazily disparate between the utility value and the speculative value. Like there's going to be a reason for speculation because people are actually using. Like I hope people are actually using these things. Because mm. last time I would say there was no use. It was all speculation on what everyone was promising was going to be happening in the next two years, which clearly didn't happen last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, it took us forever just to get Bitcoin segwit 
and then lightning to start happening. And lightning is only just now start taking off. And we've been talking about that since what we started this podcast. Yeah, we've been talking about lightning since like 2015. And I, I, I never, I never drank the Kool Aid from that because we had on a lot of lightning developers on, and we had roast beef on. You never drink out. anyone's Kool Aid. Yeah, I do. It's just they were just they were too. You drink Crystal Light? Don't lie. They're too smart. And you need some. You need some. They're too smart. What does that even mean? It means they don't know how to like push products out because they're going to keep delaying it until they get it right. And then you got to have. Lightning is in a product. Is it a product? Do we call lightning a product? Mm. I don't think so because they don't make direct profit from the protocol itself. I think I interrupted you, Cello. Go on. Well, I mean, I was thinking about that too. Now that you said it. But you you need other people on a team. You can't just have a company with ten engineers on it. It's just then nothing is going to get released and nothing is going to get implemented. It's just going to be a pissing contest in their conference room every day, trying to make it better and better and better. I say you're absolutely right, but I also say you're not taking into consideration the nuance between open source and closed source. Maybe. And this is open source. There ain't no company. There's companies working with the open source protocol, but there's no. There's no Lightning Network company, even though I think Lightning Labs... Lightning Labs is a company, but the idea is that you make something that becomes so useful, opens up a whole brand new genre of things you can then profit from. Like, the idea is that you, I'm going to make this thing and it becomes so incredibly useful that it makes so many business opportunities that we can make money off of those things, obviously. But it has to be... But you, you don't get those business opportunities unless you build that base layer in. And I think mm. that's what they're doing. It's like, in order for this to achieve, in order for Bitcoin to get to where it needs to be, this has to happen. All right, well, shit, out of necessity, let's build that. And then they build that, people start using it, it grows, then you see all of these associated business opportunities with it where you can make money. And I think that's what, the, that's the long game they're trying to play. And that's the same thing that happened with Open Bazaar. It's like, well, we have to build this this protocol to, to have like a decentralized marketplace. And... In order for us to like, in a in a in a world where a good decentralized useful marketplace exists, mm-hmm. all of these services are going to have to exist as well to cater to these people who are using it. We're going to build those once we build the marketplace and make money, lots of money, because they I'd have like to, to see, they have the domain knowledge to take advantage of that type of stuff because they built the thing. I'd like to see Casa nodes get inside of routers. And it just be like a software option when you first when you're doing your plug and play with setting up a router. Just, I mean, that could be the name. That could, that could be the entry point. But it's a generalized technology. Like eventually, it will be. Like routers are going to include some type of uh, no. Look at like the handshake, right? So mm-hmm. um, the way handshake is is positioning itself is becoming your DNS name server of your home. And so mm-hmm. it'll probably be on routers so that it resolves all the queries that you make. When you type in, you know, bitcoinpodcast.com or, or the bitcoinpodcast.podcast or whatever we end up typing, it goes through the handshake node as opposed to your router. It resolves mm-hmm. that appropriately and then serves it back to you. Mm-hmm. Now, that that that's that's blockchain infrastructure being pushed into the things that we use every day. Mm-hmm. I think lightning nodes things like that once they become a little more light. that's just purely software it's not not hardware uh router is a hardware 
Yeah, but you're talking about handshakes. Yeah, that's where it would live. Like my my router at my house is a is a is a server rack. Well, not a server rack. But it's a it's a blade in my server rack. That's a, that's my router. It's not like a little box you get from your ISP. You made it from scratch though. Like you're like a baker, but for internet. Yeah, but it's the exact same thing. It's just your people. You're either getting it from your ISP or you just load some software on it yourself. It does the same thing. Anyway, hey Wayne, welcome to the show. Say hello. Yes. Hey. What's up, man? Yeah, we can hear you. Yeah, the support for Firefox is experimental. It kept telling me, so I switched to Chrome. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm using Firefox. It's working all right. How do you Every have a time no? I try, it knocks me off. How do you have the a no, no photo thing? I've never seen that before. Um, I'm using a laptop with an integrated camera, and it's shut, and I don't have another camera on. Oh, mm. that works. And I don't have a profile photo on this account. I need. There we go. One. Well, what what you, you, so you see the talking points we've kind of been going through? Uh, we hit on layer two solutions. We didn't I really talk about constant points. Where, Say where are they? I was talking about how dumb Lightning Network is. Let's talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> yep, just like that. He was. He said Lightning Network is dumb. Let's let's discuss. It's, it's not any harder for me to transfer Bitcoin from a wallet or buy an altcoin on an exchange and transfer it back to another wallet than it is to open a Lightning payment channel. Really... Now it was a lot harder a few months ago. Dude, we had roast beef on like episode forty. I just, you guys have like the interest of a monk. Like nothing breaks <laughs> y'all's spirit. Oh no, well, we just we're okay with waiting a long time. You want shit now? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think uh, Andreas had talked about this as well, and he said, "Look, you uh, with dial-up." modems you did so much and then when you got isdn you did so much and then when you got frame relay you did so much then when you got t1 you did so much and now we've got gig to the home in some places it, that took a long time this evolution is taking a lot um, a lot less time but people are so used to the advancement that they're they get extremely disenchanted very quick mm -hmm. episode 83 by the way let's lightning network that was a while ago. That was what two years ago. We might have been the first people to actually like report on that. We were because Mackie was friends with Rose Beef, and so he's like, "Hey, let's get them on," because they just came out with the idea of Lightning. Yep, that's how that went down. And then we have like, wasn't B Node associated with that? Yeah, you're talking about B uh, B B Coins, B Coin, B Coin, B Coin. JJ when JJ made that. It's still a thing. That's actually Bitcoin yeah. is the base. They forked Bitcoin to make Handshake. And uh, JJ is uh, JJ is one of the, the Genesis folk of Handshake because he knows how everything works. Yep. So I do see the topics now, and I do see that Layer Two is on there. Did you guys already talk about? I mean, the issue I have with Layer Two and Lightning is the you're you're trading in, you're sacrificing one of the big pieces, which is that traceability and auditability and stuff like that. But obviously everything is made of trade-offs. So if, I guess if that's the one thing you need to trade off in order to get the scale, then maybe that's it. But have you already talked about the whole, you know, you, you don't get that auditability and you just sign off because who cares about the cup of coffee argument? Yes. No. Well, we've talked about it before. We didn't talk about it in this show. Yes, I did. I literally talked about the trade-off you make with using Layer 2 solutions and how like you lose that transparency oh, when you go to a Layer yeah. 2 solution. Yeah, we did. 
Well, and I think that's the only way. I mean, that's the only way that's been presented is you lose, you lose that auditability. And I'm sure there's a better blockchain term for that. But for the layman, one of the great things about pretty much all open blockchains is that you've got that full transaction record forever. And the mm -hmm. downside is that, well, where are you going to put all that stuff? So, so not, not necessarily, Wayne. It's you lose it in a completely public scenario. The, yes, the, yes. The, the you, you have your own channel audit. Right? A, a part of that party still maintain full auditability of, of everything that happens. That's it's a really just, good point, because I don't think a lot of people yeah. realize that. I know I didn't when it first came out. My gut reaction was, this is great, but... And then the but was, okay, this is the start of a whole bunch of dominoes of how we're going to lose what Bitcoin's yeah. all about. And party to party on the Lightning Network, they'll still be able to say, like, hey, I sent you these Lightning transactions, and that person, the other person can say, oh, yeah, I see that you sent it to me. Yeah, they, they, everyone has going to have full copies of all the, all the interactions they have with the parties involved. And that's, and that's more akin to how you interact with people in the real world. Like, I, Correct. The whole world does not need to come to consensus on my coffee purchase. We should I do something let the else whole world that doesn't know require that. That yesterday I bought some crispy cheese outside of a shop what at is an crispy cheese? Oh, it changed my life, bro. So I was like, man, I haven't eaten since my first flight. I'm about to hop on this plane. I'm hungry, but I don't want like a bag of chips. I want something that's like protein, good, good protein, good fats. And they make like crispy cheese bars. It's just cheese and it's delicious. I don't and think it's that's anything that post you the link, said you but I'd be, I'd be worried about what you post. You're pasting what? the link. I would say paste the link to it, but. Oh yeah, you're concerned oh. about those things, so I, you know, don't worry That's about delicious. it. I don't think that has a protein. protein in it. Crunchy cheese. Say what? Say Crunch what, Corey? I don't think crunchy cheese has protein in it. Cheese is protein and fat. I thought it was calcium. Uh, I don't think that's true. Well, I'm gonna Google it so we can find out. But y'all keep talking. I'm sure it has protein Where, in it. Are we done talking about Lightning Network? Or? Well, I, I have I have one more thing to ask because as seven as... grams of protein in one slice, baby. <laughs> well, we don't know that the protein there is the cheese, but uh, it could be the special ingredient. The um, on the Lightning Network is uh, I'm guessing since Corey is probably you know incredibly well versed on this, and you you might know so. I know it has to do with the summarization and you basically post the summary to the public blockchain. And I would say that, you know, for people to know how to do this, if you want the auditability, you just do your own transaction and pay the fee. If you don't need it, you use this layer two solution, right? Yeah. So what would stop people who are using lightning from taking that transaction record, posting it to a file coin or a, a, a IPFS type thing, and then public publicly tying a hash of that location of the record into the Bitcoin blockchain as part of the Lightning Network. Is there something like that in the works? Nothing like that in the no. works that I'm aware of. Why would you want to do that? So that you can publicly go look at the transaction record. And if both parties of the Lightning channel sign that that is the record 
then you can it's basically a hyperlink in the blockchain to a record of where of, of a the listing kind of a hash of what went on in the lightning network it's actually so you the get Bitcoin a, blockchain is like a, as a as a reference point to the the business transactions that happen off chain yeah yeah and make that an optional thing i don't see because that wouldn't take much problems with that yeah i just was wondering if someone had already thought of it i better go do my patent work now (laughs) yeah if you i wouldn't be surprised if he hangs up in the next five minutes see you later wayne i gotta go (laughs) (laughs) i gotta go i got an idea i mean i guess that would be perfect for like auditability right if somebody if, if there were a conflict you say like well hey just go to ipfs and look at that ash and that has all of the transactions that took place on that channel. Or you could just give so. them the record of the transactions that you have from the state channel, because it has like th- those are all, those are all signed transactions. Like if you like mm-hmm. using Lightning is using Bitcoin, you're sending yeah. Bitcoin transactions. They're just not getting posted to the blockchain. That's it's what people don't understand, thing. and it bugs me chain. so much. Right, but but then if they're not getting posted, and they're not being validated by six thousand nodes, ten thousand nodes then it's still there and maybe it's still signed, but isn't there a major weakness and fraud capability and things like that? I mean, you can't just trust it like you can a main blockchain transaction, right? No, you can see, you can probably do some forensic analysis on the the group of transactions that happen going back and forth between the two people. Yeah, I think so. All right, so Cella, I'm done. No, I... (laughs) I, I was reading that. Um, I, I want to know what you guys take on this. The, people were speculating when Lightning Network reaches mass adoption. Let's just say all the exchanges and many big stores are running a node and everything is working good. The Lightning Network traffic is mostly microtransactions, and people will still still do many transactions on chain. So I was reading this article where they said, "Well, let's estimate at least twenty times the current transaction amount." Remember, we're mass adopted now, so there's a lot more transactions and a lot more use than it's at currently. So Lightning transactions will still eventually have to transact on the main chain. And like Wayne said, it's fair to say that the transaction amounts will be at least what Bitcoin is doing right now. So they're saying that when we read mass adoption, we're going to be crazy to think the fees will not get to at least January levels during mass adoption. So when people close their channels, they're going to be subject to $100 fees. Oh, but there's there's an aspect of uh, a need to still scale level zero. Like you're still going to need to make it more efficient so you can fit more transactions with the base blockchain, the Bitcoin blockchain for Lightning, um, mm-hmm. so that you can keep the fees associated with opening and closing channels relatively good. And I think a good portion of the Lightning network is that you don't ever close channels. You don't ever have to well, close channels. They, they save money and keep the fees. But the fees will still be in the channels, and if you want to transact on the chain, you're going to be subject to like really high fees. Maybe. The one thing like... that you guys aren't thinking about the caveat to mass adoption is there's a caveat that comes with mass adoption and ubiquity, and that is we not thinking in dollars and we're thinking in Bitcoin. Really, I don't. I don't think so. We can't. We can't even imagine that. That's. That was the whole world that we mythologically built for ourselves when we first, when everybody first gets into Bitcoin. It's like, oh, everybody's in Bitcoin. I'm going to go to Walmart and get this whatever, I don't know, great value mountain lightning for 
however many bits or however many. I don't ho- think that's however, kind of the case. I think that was a pipe dream, and that's not a reality that we're going to see. If that is a pipe dream, then we don't get that mass adoption because nobody can resolve a one hundred dollar fee. But if the purchasing power is monumental, they could probably resolve a few satoshis. Well, well it could be the same as time zones. Okay. So in the 17 and 1800s, in the 1900s, there are very, very few people could even grasp the concept of different times, talk to other people about time zone. There wasn't a UTC, you know, there was a GMT, but the UTC wasn't there yet. So we've had a lot of assistance, especially over the last five to 10 years of systems that fix the time for us. And then we just adopt it as we go. So I can say UTC minus five, I can say certain things and more people now understand what that is. And I think that Dimitri, you're talking about going to a single currency and with the difficulty people are gonna have in doing in their head how they change the reserve. And Corey's, I think saying, well, that single reserve is not very possible. But I think as we get along, we'll have multiple currencies and people just have the tools and be easier in switching between them. Just like we were easier at switching time zones. Now see that slowly, but surely it becoming just a part of social culture to, to know multiple denominations of things at the same time. Yeah. But I, as, as Dimitri is kind of alluding to, I'm, uh, you know, the world, uh, the world Bitcoin network or the, the, one of the YouTube channels, you know, every time they say, okay, $1 worth this many Satoshis, right? So if you're mm-hmm. kind of watching that enough, you really get to know this better. You know, 14,000 Satoshis, 20,000 Satoshis, and as Bitcoin keeps going down, you know, a dollar yeah. is this worth this many Satoshis. And that sure does help me with my math, even though it's changing every day. At some point, it'll get more stable, and there'll be a small generation, half a generation or a third of a generation, where that conversion won't be a pro- problematic. Yeah. Uh, and I've kind of forced myself to do that mental math. I did it a few weeks ago on the show when I was like, oh, a Big Mac's like 0.01% of a Bitcoin. And y'all were like, what? And I was like, yeah, that's how much it is. You just, that gets more comfortable as more and more people start thinking like that, but more people don't start thinking like that unless we talk like that. Well, that's you know who's but, really good at that? The, com- uh, the, the countries who have had their currencies completely oh, yeah. fail every seven years so all we are is is a financial collapse away from people really needing to understand how money works bring the system down the collapse, <laughs> i'm not bring advocating this, I'm this, a pattern. down no kidding i'm just but cello the only counterpoint to that point that you just made is that if the purchasing power of bitcoin is is astronomical if the purchasing power of bitcoin is astronomical then that won't matter that won't matter at all. People will say like, no, oh, because people will buy small no, amounts and like, still use it. Like they should yeah. still do not they still use Bitcoin, even if the price of Bitcoin is really large in very, very, very small increments. That's kind of the yeah. point of breaking it up. Um, and so you're still going to be subject to that problem. I think that if it gets too high, people will stop using it because it you you lose the use you lose the use cases associated with small microtransactions if the price is too high. Then it, you no longer use that technology, and the price will come down. There will yep. be an equilibrium associated with it until you can scale the base layer. Now, if that's a problem, that's a good problem to have because it no tells kidding. you exactly where you need to be spending your development time 
to fix a problem. And that's the idea of like that gracefully scaling concept that Andreas Nantanopoulos talks about so much. Is like when we first had the internet, it couldn't do video chats because the infrastructure didn't work well. And mm -hmm. so every single time you had any type of innovation in the internet, use cases immediately filled that new bandwidth with new use cases. And then you're stuck. You're, you could, then you couldn't do these other things. It's like now I can get on AOL and send emails really easily, uh, but I can't do uh, audio streaming or something like that. And then we you know, had an innovation in the internet. You can do audio streaming. It's like, oh, cool, I can do audio streaming, but I can't do video streaming because the bandwidth isn't there. And so slowly but surely, you gracefully fail in something. But each time you do that, you enable new use cases that couldn't be there beforehand. And that's what you're going to see with the same thing, but with money. Mm. My whole thing was with the mass adoption. Like, can you imagine the price dumps every time, like, a giant retailer closes channels and then cashes out? Like, bots would be set up to watch these big channels and to sell Bitcoin when Amazon closes their channel and then they prepare to cash out. So how can it ever get to a point that Amazon can cash out $10 million channel they had and still get their $10 million guaranteed. You honestly think Bitcoin's gonna flatline at like an exact certain price? Oh man, I don't even, know about that. That's Even a drop of 1% is gonna cost Amazon $100,000. It would be way too risky. Right, what so they would, would close it faster, right? Well, if not because of the fees, because of the complicated usage, and then right. it'll be because of the volatility. So by entering a channel, you move from globally liquid to locally liquid when you lock up a Bitcoin in a channel, it destroys its core benefit. Um, because the, the the self-interest of all parties involved, just like cars on a highway, each party adapts based on the threats and issues that are presented to them. And you bring up an extremely valid point that, you know, why would someone have a large channel if the risk of them closing it just, you know, destroys the value of that channel, right? That, that's your point, right? It's always going to be way too risky. Absolutely. I, see, I, I disagree with always. I think well, yeah, you have to disagree with an absolute. You have it's like it's like a true false question. I, not because of the fees, just because it's 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 complicated and you know the volatility is always going to be there, in my opinion. I just think it's going to be useful in some use cases. Like there isn't just going to be one second layer solution that fixes all the problems, and that's all we use, and then no one ever uses Bitcoin again. It's going to be use this particular second layer solution for these types of use cases and use other things in different use cases that are appropriate. It's not gonna be like all Bitcoin traffic goes to Lightning Network. That's not mm -hmm. what a second layer solution is for. It's the Lightning Network was built for the transactions no one gives a shit about. And it's getting really good at being able to process those transactions exactly as it said it did. That's what it's for. And when it's yeah. no longer useful for those things, then people won't use it. It'll, it'll it get changed or fixed, it'll be adapted. It doesn't work though unless most people send and receive an equivalent amount of money on it. What do you say that again? Lightning Network has the problem that it doesn't work unless people are sending and receiving the same amount of money on it. I, I think that they haven't found a way to route transactions well as your wallet would have to know the state of every channel and it needs to route a payment through. Oh just, yeah, that's that's those are those are I think short term innovations, short term improvements that make the Lightning Network work better. Like you can you can send one payment across multiple channels at the same time and have it aggregate on the other side. And the routing issues that people often cite, those will be fixed because uh, the base layer is agnostic to how you route it. Like those are those are just you know stepwise improvements on how this stuff works. But the underlying reason for it to exist is is still always going to be there. And that 
micropayments are always going to be a yeah. thing and no one needs to have full network consensus on those things. You can just make it better as you get people using it and find out where it doesn't work well. You make that part better. I'm not saying there's not potential. I just, I always think about scaling. Yeah, when I, I think, think about I, as things. of right now, it's not like you can't scale it up globally as it works right now. But we can scale it to the point where it doesn't work very well and then figure out why it's not working very well and fix that. And it's still question. better than what it was beforehand. It's like Venmo right now, I guess. Um, you, One of the other topics, and I know that I don't know how long you guys are going, but it should be quick. Talking about adoption and layer two, obviously, is something to address adoption. You guys talked about the Coinstar press release today? No, we didn't. That's pretty cool. We one, didn't. Though. That was a bingo. Uh, we yeah, didn't talk about that yet. We talked I, about it all night. You can buy Bitcoin at Albertsons um, or, or whatever grocery store that's in your area. Coinstar. Put your change in or buy Bitcoin or do both. I don't know. Like, if you know the markups associated with these things? It's cool that it's going to be everywhere. Like, it's basically like a Bitcoin ATM everywhere. Wait, right. so how does that work? Rewind it for people that don't know, because like, so, I go so, to a Coinstar now. Yeah, we'll go say ahead. what Coinstar is. Coinstar, uh, most people have seen them. It's a little kiosk inside of a lot of grocery stores mm. where you put your spare change in, and then it gives spits out a receipt. You take it to the uh, customer service counter, and they take 7% usually and they um, give you cash. So you're converting your spare change into cash. Well, the what they announced is that they're gonna allow people to get Bitcoin instead. So I don't know what the mechanics are, if it's the same as a Bitcoin ATM, it puts in a QR code um, and you get it scanned or something like that. But instead of getting a receipt and taking it to the customer service counter for cash, you can just get Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. And well, maybe they'll take paper money too. What if, you know, what if instead of just coins, you could actually insert money, you know, paper money? Yeah, and it's only a hops giving away. So yeah, it's almost like an analog lawnmower app. You know, it's, it's you're, yeah. you're bringing fair change there. <laughs> yeah, it is. And crypto, but, but I've used Coinstar like that one market? time. That's the that's the issue, right? Bitcoin ATMs. It's currently seven percent. That's not bad. But yeah. Well, yeah, especially since, I mean, if you have a hold, we, we take a jar and we fill it up throughout the year. You know, I come home, I put the jar in there. And usually after, I don't know how many months, there's, you know, 80 to 100 to $200 in there because it's, you know, quarters, nickels, dimes, whatever. Much cash and, infusion, man. <laughs> well, it's, <laughs> it's taking longer and longer to fill up the jar, but. Uh, <laughs> but I can see a huge exit from fiat. Because now people are going to try to find all their change, and they're going to know oh, I didn't. I didn't really care about getting dollars before. Because oh wait, I can get some Bitcoin, and a lot of people think that's going to go up. I think that's going to cause people to rush to the Coinstar more than they do now. Because now it's like oh, I can speculate on my extra change instead of just get some cash. Yeah. That will feed the speculation network effect. I'm not going to feed my family anymore. I'm going to feed my speculation. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a chewy, crispy cheese speculation. Yeah. So I wish I had these two things to put side by side. But what I just looked at was the average value of transaction per credit card company worldwide. Um, and it goes union pay is $164 per American Express is 141 And then it's a pretty steep drop off. Visa's 80 JCB, I don't even know what that is. It's got to be overseas, is $80 per 
MasterCard $75 per and Discover Card is $67 per transaction, right? So really all you need for the Lightning Network to be able to do is process, you know, take that average and toss a multiple on it, do some fucking research. I don't know, be a scientist. And it needs to process <laughs> transactions. <laughs> toss some multiples on there. And has to has to be able to process transactions of that amount. Now, if you're so you know, nobody cares. Nobody cares that I paid 60 bucks last week for Call of Duty Black Ops 4. Nobody gives a shit. So why would that need to be on the Bitcoin blockchain? It can go in a lightning transaction. That's the whole, that's why the Lightning Network is, we had a problem with those transactions and we created a solution. Um, but I feel like this whole episode turned into a Lightning Network episode. Yeah, whatever. It's well, so we'll, we'll keep talking about the Coinstar thing because I I want to correct something I just read on their site, the actual coinstar.com slash Bitcoin. Only cash is accepted. Coins cannot be used for Bitcoin transactions. Aww, you have to on. insert paper money. So what I'm guessing is you go there you convert your coins to cash and they, you pay a 7% fee there. Then you can take the cash and put it in and buy Bitcoin. And it doesn't weak. say what the fees are. So Coinstars are Bitcoin ATMs now. Uh, uh, yes. that's Well, that's basically what it's saying because it's saying, and it's launched, it's launched now. It says, go to a kiosk, touch, buy Bitcoin, okay. accept the terms, and enter your phone number. So there's some KYC-ish type things going there. Insert the paper money up to $2,500. Get PayPal. You receive a, yeah, get PayPal. Uh, it's powered by CoinMe. I don't know if you guys know CoinMe. C-O-I-N-M-E. Sounds, yeah. CoinMe is uh, J.R. Willits. Uh, he invented the ICO. and his Oh, new, that first one? Yeah, so his CoinMe was like a line of ATMs. But well, it's no. also an LLC. So it seems he's branching out. It seems yeah. as though he's done some work since he did that. <laughs> I feel like Brian's eating your mustaches. It seems as though he's working. <laughs> I always like. I always like. I remember we interviewed him, and I always liked him as a person, even though he has this permanent stain on his record, creating something that everyone took advantage of. You know, I don't think that's a stain on his record. That's not a stain on his record. I think it's well, just nobody... people using a tool to, for for, the, for their own betterment, or like it's just that's what happens when you you lower the barrier of entry to things and make a tool that allows people to do shit they couldn't do before. There's going to be a large you, amount I, of shysters involved. What if I like? What if I told you I was the the creator of of MLMs? You'd punch me in the face. Yeah, but okay, I imagine. Well, well that... Bitcoin is used for nefarious purposes, and so should Satoshi feel ashamed about that? I would. I would punch Boom. you in the face. <laughs> the founder of Silk Road is there? Is there was Silk Road ever like uh, an, an to claim? Yeah, you know uh, that's what I would mm. make the equivalent to. But I see your point. So Coinstar is trying to get in the crypto game, taking that seven percent, going to stack some crypto. How many go back to their people with big cans of coins are going to be when there's a line at the Coinstar for people trying to buy Bitcoin? Because that stuff doesn't take. I don't know. Granted, every each of those transactions is not going to be short. Like it might even be like the people who are buying Bitcoin are going to are going to be fast compared to the people trying to throw their fucking change into these corn star machines. $2,500 worth. Who has $2,500 worth of dimes? No, you just said you can't. You can't use coins. (laughs) You can't use coins to buy Bitcoin. So there's going to be two types of people using these things, and they're not going to like each other. But, I mean, the step one is all the same, because you have to get that receipt. Either way. 
you gotta get that little if paper. you're doing coins yeah yeah so and their website looks like they've gone up to 11.9 percent oh. coin processing mm. last time i did it it was seven percent yeah man even no. netflix is increasing their prices cello i don't know when the last did too you've been to my old family home but we had a five gallon jug full of coins oh my god and that thing has been there since, yeah it's, it's been there the fireplace 93 and it's still only it's like vacation. three quarters it's like a family vacation right there yeah all coins too we don't discriminate pennies dimes every quarters they all go in there i think i put a couple sacagaweas in there when i was younger well what's um, the end game with that I don't think there is one. I don't think they came up with that figure that far yet. You can't even pick it up. You've got to use a dolly a museum. to move it around. Um, but it's just sitting. I don't know why my pops was like, we're going to put coins in this five-gallon jug. And we were like, all right, whatever. Yeah. It's so. <laughs> but it's still there. So That's a good way to wrap up the episode. Well, 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 well yeah. one, one last thing, one last thing. Um, I wanted to say, uh, first off, Corey, how cool is it watching UFC and seeing a Litecoin logo on the mat? Awesome. Yeah, so the next step, and I'm not talking about, you know, Rory McDonald in a second-class fighting organization, the UFC, taking a, taking an altcoin that's not on a major exchange. I'm talking about UFC, one of the three majors, Litecoin, is sponsoring Ben Askren at UFC 235. He's fighting... Ben Affleck? He's fighting... Get out of here. He's fighting Robbie Lawler, the greatest welterweight, in my opinion. That's major news. It's It's cool that that's happening it's weird that it's litecoin i want to i want to know like where that meeting came from like who, what what like guy with a shitload of litecoin litecoin knows ufc fighters like hey uh let's just start going go with ufc that sounds that sounds great i like i have a bunch of litecoin i like ufc i'm gonna pay for it now and that's basically what happened that had to have been what happened it could have but been what's interesting, any- it's his first fight with the organization too so like he's not even taking like a money deal on his first fight he's taking a crypto well, we all know that like ufc fighters don't get paid what they should yeah, absolutely unless you're i didn't know that thank oh, you though. no yeah they do not get paid what they should like the sponsorships well if that's not the reebok sponsorship they get paid shit other than other than conor mcgregor <laughs> it was that that's you right yeah i get i get okay. multi-million dollars I'm trying to Google how much Litecoin he's getting. I don't know if I can find that. So, as uh, we wrap and Cello Googles, um, it's the part of every podcast, but ours specifically, where we plug the shit that we do. And um, the first thing we'd like you guys to do is write out and buy our book called Can You Describe Bitcoin, Ethereum, or Blockchain in 10 Words or Less? I got it in my hand right here. Just I, I never go to Amazon. It. Literally, it was almost type, in the same thing. Describe Bitcoin, and it's us. Yeah. Easiest way to get there because we don't have a buy button on the website yeah. yet, and we're not going to put one. We're actually going to put a riddle, and if you can solve I the riddle, too. then you can buy the book. Because we right. like to make it very difficult for you to give us money. Are we all you don't have page all if you want. What did you say? Page numbers. I have my book here too. How I was going to say, pick a page. Oh, there's okay. no page numbers on here. There's no page numbers, but it is uh, alphabetical. oversight was that one? I don't um, feel like it needs. Why does it need numbers? Yeah, I'm with Marcello in this camp. We want you to want to reference experience. it. I want, I want to be like, hey, hey, Wayne, read page 77. And he'll be like, oh, okay, I know how to get there. Get out of here, Captain Dewey Decimal System. We just wanted to be an experience for people. <laughs> we don't treat our, our guests as numbers. Yes. We treat them as alphanumeric strings. Yes. It's like an atlas. Do atlas that's have page numbers? That's a save. I save. imagine so. For we, we talked about roast beef. Let's. We asked him August twenty eighth, two thousand sixteen, to describe Bitcoin. 
He said Bitcoin is empowering technology that can allow people full sovereignty of their financial situation. Little dry, but accurate. Yep. And then, if Where's you that? some pages. Um, <laughs> page Olalua Asin Token. <laughs> and you flip some pages to Christopher Wilmer, who's... Uh, why is he posed so hard in front of this whiteboard with this nonsense on it? Do you see that? That's like the only photo. No, because we don't have page numbers. Uh, a professor. How about Rory McDonald, MMA fighter? Yeah, Corey, it's, Corey, it's the last Maybe he has Christopher Wilmer. It's got Andrew Yang and Christopher Wilmer. Professor uh, he University. says, can you describe Bitcoin? The world's first digital decentralized currency. So there's we've there's a lot of people in here we've interviewed over the years, and they all try and distill down their very own personal definition. Straight turtleneck, button-up, and suit jacket. D, yep. is, the, is everything on that whiteboard gobbledygook, or does that make sense? Um, Let me take a look. <laughs> no, but I can say what that is. Numbers. That's about uh, four different... Uh, mentor sessions with a with a graduate student or undergraduate being erased <laughs> over multiple times. Yep, that looks like a phone number down yeah, there. Yeah, but the, the, the black one is Bitcoin. that is a phone number. That is a phone number. Call it. Should have airbrushed that middle, out. The black chart in the middle is Bitcoin. You can see right where we are right now. Yep, I see That's it. exactly where we are. I see it. I see some constants on there. I see. It looks like E is approximately two points set. We got it. We got it's it. Not a okay. Um, the Bitcoin podcast dot com. That's um, that's what we do. Play uh, the outro. Um, no, not yet. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to give you a chance, Wayne, but not yet. Um, the Bitcoin podcast uh, network is our network of shows. Um, the content is booming and it's going all the time. Long blockchain podcast. Uh, dose of ether uh, the bullpen i got a banger of a hashing it out coming for you if you care about anything ethereum and what was going on with the constantinople bug and what type of implications that has on uh how we move forward and a real litmus test on where we are now listen to that episode it's probably already out by the time this airs yep would you say that the audio content of hashing it out could be on par with a collegiate lecture no doubt. Uh, yeah, sure. That's 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 fine. I've been to a lot Would of like. You say that your show beats the shit out of Epicenter. <laughs> <laughs> say it. Say it. Hey, say we it. actually like ran out of Chuck Mangione at the right time. <laughs> All right, I, I'm picking up what you're putting. We listened down. to a whole. We listened to a whole album of Chuck Mangione during this episode. Yep. I, that was you. Okay. And YouTube's gonna flag us, but I'm all right with it. Um, so, uh, what else? Uh, the medium.com slash the Bitcoin podcast blog. You'll find uh, musings uh, by us. Uh, we post them on our medium. Also, uh, there's a newsletter there. Um, what else do we do? We don't interview people. That's what we don't do. Yeah, we haven't had an interview in about a month. Um, don't know why. I don't want people to think that because Ronnie and Moaz cursed us out, we're shying away from interviews. It wasn't that. It just I just have a lazy. write up on it's that. Just I just haven't posted it in the Slack yet. You you did a write up on the Ronnie Moaz thing. I, I did a write up on that because it's been bugging me a little bit, and so I haven't posted it because it might stir some hornets. Hmm. Can you post it internally in the Slack for all of our listeners? Yeah. That's what I meant. Posted internally. Really, okay. I should post it to you guys, and then you could. 
give Say where green light you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, shoot. I oh, guess yeah. that's it. There's, there's going to be a donate button that was there and then it wasn't there and it'll be there again. Uh, if you'd like to donate, uh, currently it's Ethereum. I'm working on the rest of all the other things, trying to make it fun to use. But if you'd like to donate some Ethereum to us, there's a donate button at the, at the website navigation bar that says donate. And it'll send you to a place in which you can give us free money and then put yourself on a leaderboard and compare yourself to other people who have given us money. Yep. Uh, and we like that, so do that. And as it stands, first place winner gets a thank you. But <laughs> also, you're not giving us free money. We give you free content. You're giving us money for the free content. So, so does is that it, make is it, free is it at still all? free if they're giving favors. us money for it? Yeah, we're doing them the favor. They're not doing us the favor. So. <laughs> Get that right. <laughs> you owe us. Um, all right, we're out here. All right, you ready, Wayne? Uh, go for I it. I am. My my ten words are trustless balancing of greed with incentives using math and decentralization. We didn't ask you. <laughs> I think we have before, <laughs> didn't we? Didn't we ask you before? Yes, and it's not in the book, so I had to take my chance to say it now. There we go. All right, you're in volume two. Volume two. It's since we, we never interviewed you. Because you don't have your picture. Right now, it's because you don't have your picture. You didn't have your picture. Shout out to Zoe Saldana and Zazie Means.